Hey, I'm Nick. And I'm Greg. Stay tuned for a new episode of the Mangina Dialogues. <laughs> Uneducated, unfiltered, unhinged. This is the Mangina Dialogues. We at it again with your host, Nick Scopes. And the Greg Olicious. You know how we do, because you know we keeping it gangster and silly. Unplug like a pool swung titty About get jitty Cause you know we down to the nitty and the gritty And we make shit sound so damn pretty Yeah, cause this unhinged comedy And right now you're in the mix So get ready Cause we bout to get it poppin' And we ain't stopping. I'm educated Hello and welcome to the Mangina Dialogues. I am your host, Nick Scopes And I am Wild Greg Alperin <laughs> And our guest today, very athletic, very funny, Goomba Johnny. What's up, Johnny? How are you, man? What's going on, guys? You know, just chilling. What do you got? I saw you put something on your – you have something on your hamstring right now, your knee? Yeah, I do. What do you got going on? Ice. Okay. What happened? You all right? Yeah, I just – I went a little bit too fast on the treadmill. I forgot forgot my age. You know how (laughs) – sometimes you forget how old you are, and I put it on like 7'5". And God I, damn! Yeah, I just felt something go, bing, <laughs> you know. And it's uh, you know, it's uh, when you get older, you, it, I mean, obviously things go wrong, but it's like you never get an email or a text from your body, you know, that you're about your knees about to blow out. <laughs> There's no warning; it just goes. Trust it me, goes. Right. I know it. So it's not a bad place to start. Um, when we were looking in at stuff and it. it Winds up that you played some football back in the late seventies, early eighties, professionally. And as it turns out, you happen to know my dad, which is pretty wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew your dad uh, because when I was on uh, in nineteen eighty, I signed a free agent contract with the Giants, and I was an offensive lineman with two of the people that your dad represented: Doug Van Horn and Ron Mikolochek, and. they constantly spoke of your father. Yeah, it's pretty, they were two of my dad's very closest friends, which yeah. is pretty wild. Um, those were some times. They were not the Giants' best of the years. <laughs> no, I mean, that's why I was able to sign a contract with them. <laughs> <laughs> they were taking anyone back yeah, in Yeah, no, I was not one of them. I was not... <laughs> you know I what know. I have? I'll have, to, I'll have to scan it and send you a picture if you don't have it. I have... Um, the full team photos from those years. Yeah, I'm not, I didn't. Uh, I I uh, got hurt in an uh, exhibition game against the Patriots, and I was done. They put me on waivers, and then. Oh, really? Yeah, that's. That, funny. that was the it, end of it. Is it is pretty ironic because my dad spent like ten years. Not not he wasn't an agent for a long time, but maybe max ten years to the mid seventies, mid eighties. Right. And I remember that one of the last football training camps i went to with him down in in like william patterson college i think is where they trained at the time uh pleasantville pleasantville and he he was he was talking to ron and he was like i think i'm gonna stop after this year it's like a pain in the ass chasing the money from all these guys and him and ron were very good friends and like the next year he stopped it was like last year like 80 85 the last year that the um the they US won. Bell. They won after that. 86, right? So his last year was 85 <laughs> when half of his guys went to play in the USFL. Ron played in USFL and all these guys. And then he just stopped, right? And 
the next year the Giants win the Super Bowl and all those guys that he was still an agent for were still on the team. And I'm like, I, I'm in high school. They just won the Super Bowl and I am watching it on television. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, it's just figures. You know, so, how did you go from sports to radio? Uh, that's a very interesting question. Um, I uh, kind of bounced around uh, after that. Um, I did some bodyguarding work. Um, I worked construction, indoor construction uh, at the Trade Center. And um, on the weekends, I would, uh, I'd bounce at a nightclub. And uh, one night on a Saturday, I hosted a, uh, a dance contest on Saturday nights. And uh, one Saturday night after the dance contest, somebody came out of the crowd and said, uh, hey, you ever think about going on the radio? And I said, well, why would I do that? <laughs> you know, because I come from a family of cops and firemen. Right. And nobody worked creatively. And uh, they said, well, you got a good voice and your sense of humor would really translate. You do excellent on the radio. So I'm like, okay, what do you want to drink? What's the point of this conversation? <laughs> I, you know what I mean? <laughs> no, no, no. I work at Z100. You know, here's my card. Why don't you come down to the station? I'll show you around and blah, blah, blah. And I ended up... Uh, you know, going uh, to Z100 like three, four nights a week and, uh, you know, started to understand how radio worked. I'd write a little comedy, do a couple of voices, bits, so on and so forth. And, uh, you know, that was the extent of it in the 80s. And then, um, you know, I got into, I managed the comedy club after that and I started doing stand-up by accident also. And then in 96, they had an audition for... Uh, for KTU. Right. And the gentleman that um, I knew from Z100 was auditioning and he asked me to audition for him with him. And when it was over, you know, um, you know, they offered me a job. Uh, I was the last one hired at KTU and um, I turned it down. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I said, I, it's, you know, I can't, I can't live on that kind of money. Right. And the program director, his name is Frankie Blue. He just looked me dead in the face. I never met the guy before until Tulan. And he said, look, he goes, I, I, I know you're like kind of like a big shot at what you do right now. He goes, but this is your life's work. This is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to be on the radio. I, I've done this my whole life. So I went home and I was laying in bed. And I'm like, nobody ever spoke to me like that before. Nobody ever, you know, had like a moment of clarity. Yeah. You know, and I had that kind of personality. If people told me to go right, I always went left. So I was very, very counter, you know, like that. And I, I just stopped and I said, you know what? As as dumb as I am, I'm getting this message. And I ended up taking the job. Wow. And then, yeah. you, you, I mean, you were a staple on New York radio for a long time. Yeah. For about 16 years, I stayed at the one station um, and um at the end, uh, you know, I got offered a contract and I just didn't, I, I don't know. I just didn't want to do it anymore. Right. Did, um, I felt like I didn't, I, I just felt like there were other things, you know, out there for me. Did what, like, how did you see the radio business change over all those years? Is that why you lost the passion for it because of the different? Yeah. Well, it, number one, it wasn't the same business that I got into. Right. You know, and, uh, when I got into it, it was, it was much more talent friendly. Yeah. And then when I left, I felt like I was treated like I was in the way. Right. 
you know what I mean? Uh, you know, I would come in and, you know, I, I would read, you know, six, eight commercials, a, a show, live reads. Yeah. And I was paid very well. Uh, I have no complaints about that. You know, but then I felt like my talent was being marginalized comedically and that, you know, like I'm like, OK, am I going to do this for the rest of my life? Is this what I'm going to do? I'm going to fade off into the sunset. I'm not going to put myself out there. Uh, and if I'm going to do anything, you know, different, I'm going to have to make myself uncomfortable. Right. Uh, looking back, I didn't realize how uncomfortable I was about to make myself. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I mean, you know how that goes. Yeah, uh, sure. You know, and then I just went full fledged into the uh, the comedy and and writing and whatnot and acting. Right. Did um, when you're at KTU that that's a very specific style of radio station, right? So pop, you know, top forty pop music, dance music, all that. Yeah, kind of. yeah. Did I imagine that's not your particular style of favorite music? Well, I you know I was in the nightclub business. You know, a good part of my life. So this right. is music, you know, that I heard. You know, yeah. or, you know, wasn't wasn't music that I grew up with. Right. You know, if you ask me what I listen to now, I like to listen to a lot of a lot of sixties and, yeah. uh, uh, you know, uh, classic rock stuff. Right. You know? Now I was really just curious about if it's hard to be passionate about that job when if it, when you're taking up so much of that time of music that you may not necessarily be connected to. Well, you know, when people like Jennifer Lopez and Ricky Martin, yeah. and, you know, and Mariah Carey are in your studio, sure. it's very easy to get passionate about what you're doing. You know, it's very exciting. You know, it was the number one station in the country. Yeah, no, 100%. Especially, especially if Jennifer Lopez is in there. I can understand the excitement. Yeah, well, her, her, her sister worked at the station. She was a jock, too, Linda. Oh, yeah. really? Okay. Yeah, so we, we, we saw quite a bit of Jennifer. Yeah. <laughs> God bless that, you. That sucks. Um, <laughs> yeah, it sounds horrible, man. When when did you start crafting like your stand up? Like at the same time? No, no. In the late eighties, I was managing a comedy club, and then one night, comedians uh, were going to be like a half hour late, and I had to get up on stage and uh, you know kill some time. The people were getting antsy, right? And, uh, yeah, I remember it was a Sunday night. Um, and we had a big crowd because the next day was Columbus Day and a lot of people were off then. And I got up and, uh, you know, I did the best I could and uh, it was baptism through fire. And then I got the bug. Right. You know, I got the bug. And then when I was managing the club, uh, in order to get better headliners, I would host a show. Right. So I wouldn't have to pay to host and I'd yep. have more money for the back end. So I would do that. And then um, I stopped doing it. Um, and when I got to the radio station after a couple of years on the radio, I, I started doing it again in 98. Right. But I really don't think I took it seriously until, um, until I left the station, like in 2011. Right. And well, what club was it that you were managing? Uh, Shooting Stars. It was in Yonkers. Oh, in Yonkers. Yeah. I, I don't, Central I don't. Avenue. Right. Um, so... You left the station in 2011 and then you take the comedy like seriously as, as right. I imagine your, your profession at that point. Um, did it take you a while to get back into it and get crisp again? Or did you jump right back in like riding a bike? No, no. I mean, I was doing comedy all up until that time from 98 for those 12 years. But you have to understand when you're on a radio and you say, I'm going to be at the Chuckle Hut. 
right? Uh, and you have two million listeners. Yeah, it's no problem to get three hundred people to show up. Sure. Yeah, yeah. No, when you were off the radio, yeah, um, you know, it was a totally different story. You know, when I got off the radio, I was a comedian, but I my act wasn't of headline quality. Right. So that was a really harsh reality for me. And it took me, I would say, about two, three years to get up to speed. Oh, really? Wow. So yeah, it was a lot of work. Did you find that pretty quickly after you were off the radio that the ability to draw that kind of crowd like immediately went away? Or did it take time like anything for, you know, for that to kind of drift? Well, the phone calls went from 100 a day, you know, down to like a half a dozen uh, right. within six months. And then I would say... You know, after a year, um, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, I had a, my name is very cartoonish. So um, like they give you in radio, they give you nicknames, you know, so people remember it easily. So sure. I mean, people knew who I was. Of course. Uh, but at that point, you know, you know, once I did leave the radio, um, you know, my the quality of my act became my calling card, not. Yep. Not not the radio personality. Sure. So there, there was a uh, there was a there was a transition there. Right. And did you go out a lot to after the radio ended? Did you just to get you know more hours under your belt to you know find? I got work. You know, I I, I mean, I I didn't really have a lot of problem getting work. Right. Um, you know, I just had to make that transition. You know, I had to. Uh, you know, I started working in, you know, lived in the city. I started working regularly at Stand Up New York yep. and, um, you know, some other clubs in the city. So I, I, I what I was doing differently that I wasn't doing on the radio uh, on the, when I was on the radio, I'd work maybe once a week. And now I was working, you know, four times a week. Right. So, yeah. I imagine that must be pretty tough, like mentally and as well as trying to, you know, craft some some good material because, especially in those earlier days after you came off the radio that keep where you, where you went to do shows, I'm imagining those promoters wanted to promote the hell out of you coming, you know, onto those shows. And I, I would imagine that might make you nervous <laughs> that if you're still practicing material that you didn't have the opportunity to really, you know, kind of stay under the radar as, you know, someone that's, you know, just practicing or just trying out new material has the luxury of being. Well, I, you know, I would do the new material during the week. You know, right. the only thing that made me nervous was the difference in pay. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know that, I mean, I didn't, you know, I mean, I, at that point I knew how to write a joke, but sure. um, you know, anybody who's a comedian for any length of time will tell you that you have to just constantly get on stage and you have to keep on working on your craft. Yep. And that's really the best way to get better as a comedian. Um, you know, you have to get in front of people and you have to constantly, uh, you know, constantly, you know, you know, work on your act. You have to trim and add and whatnot. And you also have to you also have to stay current comedically, too. Of course. You know, because, you know, comedy in itself, you know, is constantly changing and what the crowds are looking for and so on and so forth. So to be able to be in the city and work in the city, that kept me very current. I was I was with the you know, the school of fish, yep. you know, that, that was doing, you know, cutting edge stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Now, and plus, plus you get critiqued by other comedians, you know, and that's a big deal, you know. Have you found that after this whole, uh, after the COVID thing, not that we're out of it yet, but after the COVID thing, crowds have changed a little bit or what they're looking for has changed at all? 
Um, no, I think there's, uh, you know, I've never gotten so many thank yous when you get off stage now. Yeah. You know, people are like, hey, man, I really needed a laugh. You don't understand. You know, I, I, I just, you know, my wife and I have been in the house and, you know, we just, we haven't, you know, it's about socialization now. Sure. You know, I went through that with my so wife true. and we were locked in and, you know, you just, I get along great with my wife. My wife's my best friend, but I, re I understand the power of socialization now. You know, once I became so isolated and everybody else is experiencing that now, you know, I mean, um, so um, I never got that and, you know, never understood that in my life. You know, I always felt like, yeah, I'm, you know, I could be, you could leave me on a deserted island and I'd be fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, not the case. Well, That's now I know why Tom Hanks had the volleyball, had Wilson. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? The pandemic is uh, makes that very obvious. Yeah. Yeah, dude, I, I found, the. I mean, I've only been doing comedy like two and a half years, but there was a show end of January uh, where the crowd almost wanted you. Usually it's never the case, but they wanted you to interact with them. Like they oh, yeah. Want, they wanted it. And I was like, that's never, I've just done my material and it's, you know, it goes well, you get off stage. They, the more I like freestyled or went after someone in the crowd, they're like, yeah, like they want it. And I was like, things are kind of changed a little bit. This is interesting. I think people are just so desperate, like you said, for socialization. Yeah. yeah and comedy changed too. There's a, 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 with all the sensitivity today, yeah. you know, with the political correctness, um, <laughs> you know, um, you know, and comedians have been kicking back, you know, you know, it's almost like, you know, not on my stage, you know what I mean? And it's interesting because, you know, once I feel once you start censoring comedians, you know, where are you going to get the truth from? Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's and, true. You know, and I, I, I always view that as very dangerous. Yeah, it is, it is. It's really, and it's a shame because, you know, we talk about this a lot that, you know, you're you're especially someone if someone's paying to go to a comedy show and then they're going to leave that show offended just because someone said something that they didn't particularly care for right. and then want to come after you for it. I mean, why are you going to a comedy show in the first place? You know, well, and I think that says a lot about people. I mean, you know, if you get offended at a comedy show, I mean, you just don't belong there. Right. No, totally. I mean, it's 100% it, agree. And I felt that way before I was a comedian, too. Yeah. It's just like it's not my I would never ever go to a show and then go up to the performer after and be like I didn't like what you said because this offended me because of something that happened in my life I would never think that's like a normal like that's a thing I should do ever I don't understand people I really don't <laughs> I don't yeah no right it's, here, uh, but. but comedians are fighting back there are a lot of guys out there doing oh, yeah. the thing yeah sure um you know and the, and the podcast helped too yeah. So yeah, let, let, really let's love the podcast. Let, yeah, they get to know you. They get to know like, you know, what you're actually about. They know personally. And on the radio, you probably have to censor and kind of pull. On the radio, out. everything goes through a filter. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, and yeah. the podcast, obviously not. You know, and like I said, people are in dire need of socialization. So, you know, and you can't leave your house. I mean, the podcast could be one of your friends. Sure. So let's talk about your podcast that you're doing with Vinny. Um, how, how did that come about? Well, I know Vinny for 40 years. Right. Um, you know, I knew him from Nourishell. Vinny's from Nourishell. I worked at Nourishell. I knew him quite some time. And, um, 
uh, they asked him to do a podcast and he said he would do it if I would uh, co-host, co-host it with him. Right. And, um, you know, I love Vinny and, um, you know, the fact that I'm so familiar with him and I have a background in radio. Sure. It kind of made it a no brainer. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's cool. You know, obviously you have the friendship that it makes it easy to, to have a show like that because you, ha- you have 40 years of stuff to pull from to just talk about, you know, the stories. Yeah. Are- you know, plus Vinny's a celebrity. Sure. So uh, and I uh, spent a large time uh, interviewing many, many celebrities on the radio station. So between the both of us, we have a, a, a great reservoir of uh, of guests that are would are at our disposal, which normally wouldn't happen in a, right. a beginning podcast. Sure. And what are you guys doing? Because when, how often are you going to release episodes? Well, we did the first season, which was 12 right. episodes. That's what uh, we were contracted for. And then we're contracted for one more season of 12. And then we'll just go from there. Right. And what, when's that going to start happening? When are you going to put those next 12 out? Well, I don't know. Well, Finney got the vaccine, so he's starting to come out of his house. <laughs> uh, so, you know, he was on the real lockdown. You know, he had a sign on his door. It said, uh, put your mask on and wash your hands. And I'm like, where am I going to wash my hands? <laughs> you know, at least leave, leave, leave a bowl of water outside. Yeah, right. You know, I mean, that's the <laughs> sign I've ever seen in my life. So, uh, yeah, I think I think sometime in, in March we'll start again. We usually go in on Mondays, right. shoot a couple of shows at a time. And uh, it's a lot of fun with him. Yeah, it looks it, it looks really cool. I, I obviously you guys use the studio. It looks it looks great. Um, I mean, we share a network with you guys. And um, but besides besides doing the show with Vinny, you are doing a bunch of shows with Anthony Rodia, right on the road. And now we talked about your Rodia. 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 Yeah. Well, I, I you know I I um, I work with Anthony comedically. We yep. do a two man yep. film, and we've been traveling around the country. Um, um, you know, working wherever we can, you know, obviously you can't work in New York, but you can in Florida, Connecticut, New Jersey, Yep. you know, Florida is like wide open. Yeah. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure, especially after last night, it was Tampa was pretty wild. <laughs> I'm sure it was a good time. It's down just, there. The restaurants are at a hundred percent capacity. You know, people use masks. They don't use people use masks down there. Like an 18 year old kid uses condoms. Yeah. It, <laughs> so you true. Know, I think I need one. Did that worry you being down there when you guys were down there? I'm sorry? Did that worry you when you guys were down there? Um, you know what? We, we, we get off the plane. We get tested. Right. Uh, we get tested before we get on the plane. Uh, we don't do meet and greets. Yep. Um, so it's really basically, you know, I mean, if Anthony gets it or I get it, I'm in trouble. But that's not the case. Right. Our, our interactions are, you know, hotel, gig, home. That's it. You know, golf, golf course. Anthony golf. So I don't. Go. Yeah, I saw his Instagram is full of his golf course playing. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. Uh, my brother's a professional golfer. I don't. I, I hate it. Really? You know, it's funny. I was telling him when he, he was on a couple weeks ago that I used to be a very avid golfer. I went to golf camp as a teenager. I took a year off from working to play golf. I mean, I played as much golf as, as a person, as an amateur, like golf wannabe could play up until I was in my mid thirties. And then I'm on a golf trip with all my college buddies mm-hmm. in the middle of a round on a golf course in Myrtle beach. I hit a shot perfectly fine. I was having a perfectly good round and took my golf club, put it in my bag and said, I'm never fucking playing this game again. <laughs> Why'd you quit? 
it I realized at that moment that I hated the game of golf. Now I hated it from the beginning. Same. And, and I'm I, with I, you, Johnny. You know, my, my uncle was a pro. Uh, my brother's a pro at Pleasantville Country Club, and, and uh, he actually got voted uh, uh, best, uh, you know, golf professional in uh, that Westchester magazine last year. Wow. Oh, good for him. Yeah, and uh, you know, so I have uh, courses, clubs, clothes, all at my disposal. It probably would cost me next to nothing to do it, and I won't do. He got so mad at me because I wrote a joke about it. Right. That golf is a lot like marriage. It's too hard. It's expensive. All right. You lose your balls. <laughs> right. All right. Uh, halfway through, you get drunk and you very rarely get a hole in one. <laughs> it's a, and my yeah. brother goes, you're making fun of my profession. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. It, it, it took me 20 some odd years, maybe more of playing a lot of golf to realize I absolutely hated that game, like hated it. But people are fanatical about oh. it. And that's what shocks me about, yeah. it, about the addiction. Yeah. You know, when I was on the radio. A woman called me up and she goes, come on, Johnny, I need to talk to a man. I said, all right, the man's right here. What do you need? He goes, I, I have a problem. I just need a man's perspective on it. I'm a golf widow. So I said, what's a golf widow? She goes, my husband every Saturday goes out, out of the house at 7 a.m. He plays two rounds of golf and he comes home drunk every Saturday. And I said, and, and she goes, and I can't do anything at night. She goes, how do I handle something like that? So I said, Miss, I do not have an answer for you, but I will tell you this. There's a woman out there right now listening whose husband's addicted to strip clubs who would trade places with you in a second. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, it's it, true. there's worse addictions. Yeah. There's you know way I mean? worse ones. I mean, the guy's got no girlfriend. You know what I mean? I mean, let, you know. The, so, the modern problem, like for guys my age that are married or engaged or whatever, it's the video games. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Just, I, I don't play. I can't. I don't know how my friends sit for four or five, six hours and play Call of Duty and like pretend they're in the Marines. And I'm like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that's why I'm glad. You know, when I was growing up, all they had was Space Invaders. Yep. <laughs> so. You had two that's choices awesome. Activision or Atari and like yeah. Pong. Pong. Like, that was it. Like, yeah. When, when, uh, when did you and Anthony like meet? How did you guys meet? Uh, very organically, we both performed at a charity uh, that Chaz Palminteri had for his children foundation in the city. Cool. And um, we never met each other. And uh, we became friends and then quickly became working partners because, you know, he does off the boat comedy, first generation Italian stuff. Yep. And I have uh, a lot of Italian stuff, but not similar to his. So the acts kind of blend into each other. Yeah. That's so, so what's the two man show like? Like, is Anthony goes first? How much time? No, I, I come out, I do a half hour, and then Anthony will come out and do an hour. Sometimes he does an hour and a half, which drives me crazy. <laughs> he was yeah. telling us some stories about like he will write a new bit in 15 minutes, and you'll be like, God damn it. What the <laughs> fuck is fuck this guy? <laughs> yeah. That's how I feel about some people, too. You're like, Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, speed wow. at which he puts it out you know why, why does that bum you out when he does an hour and a half just why you just waiting to get out of the room <laughs> no i'm just you know like in other words um you know you typically you know well with a two-man show i would imagine he's expected to do an hour sure you know, you know and you you know an hour is 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 a good amount of time for a comedy show oh, 
Absolutely. So, you know, I feel professionally, you know, my personal opinion is, you know, if you're doing it an hour and a half all the time, I mean, you're really burning through material. Sure. You know what I mean? So if you, you if you just kept it to an hour, but you know what? I mean, he's so hungry and, um, you know, he's only been doing comedy for two years. Yeah, it's crazy. So he, he's so hungry that, you know, when he gets on stage, he don't want to get off. Yeah. What What do you I mean, obviously you see it firsthand, you know, touring the country with him, you know, someone that's only been doing it a few years. Right. How, like, what do you attribute that insane, like fanatical fan base and success to? Is it is it really his how he's built that on Instagram and, and social media? Yeah, 100 percent. Yeah. Well, I don't want to say it's a new normal because what happens is you have a lot of what I call social media sensations, yep. which Anthony is one of them. And a lot of them have tried to make the transition into comedy and most of them have failed and Anthony has not. Right. So what happens is with many of these people, they'll try and uh, transfer to the stage. People who know who they are and they have huge followings will come out and see them once and that's it. Right. And in Anthony's case, that's not it. I mean, we go to Anthony's shows. I've met people that have been to four or five shows. Yeah. There, Over there's the, plenty of plenty yeah. of cases like that with the social media. It's a funny thing you bring up. Like there's a couple guys, I can't remember their names right now, but they're they have, you know, some are in the millions followers. Yeah. And they put out great videos that have millions of views on YouTube and they you see them do stand up at somewhere in LA. And it's just, it doesn't translate, which is fine. That's their thing. The video thing is their thing. Great. That's your medium. But it just to the stage, it's a whole different. Well, you know, I mean, you've been doing it two and a half years. I mean, yeah. look back on when, when you started two and a half years ago and where you are now. And, you know, you could actually look at your act in the beginning and say to yourself, what was I thinking? <laughs> I can't watch. I watched the show from October of 2019. I watched two minutes and I was like, nope, nope, nope. Just, just X yeah. out of it. I was like, nope, it's can't like, do it. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, you know, I think about some of my, you know, earlier performances and I'm like, I am so glad that, that the crowd didn't like beat me up. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? How, how you do know, you think or it, ask for their money back? How, how do you yeah, think that, that the, right? like, the, like obviously the pandemic has changed the world in a million different ways but as far as like comedy which seems to be the really the took on the zoom stuff and the and doing shows over the internet before music artists started doing it over the summer or late late spring how do you think that has changed or do you think it's changed the business long term right because you would go do a show and unless someone came to see you you they right. really wouldn't know your act or be able to you know see your act but now you're doing these zoom shows then you go down to florida like is that changing the way you construct your act um it doesn't change the way i construct my act but it, it gives greater access you know to comedians sure you know um you know people are watching comedy online that normally wouldn't do it and um you know i think i think when this is all over i think the comedy crowds are going to be uh larger than before we started Right. And do you think that the 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 Zoom and the live stream aspect of it is going to stay or do you think that's going to pull back so people can then go tour to 50 cities over the course of a year without having the people already have seen a large chunk of an act? Well, you know what? It might stay, but it's going to be extremely watered down because these guys are going to start getting paid now and right. they're not going to work for free. Yeah, for sure. 
you know, I mean, uh, you know, the way to, uh, um, you know, uh, the podcast or the way to monetize yourself, right. you know, comedically now, you know, guys like, you know, Chris Stefano. Yeah. You know, who Perfect is an example. Yeah. He, he's, you know, I mean, his aunt, he, he's a tremendous comedian. Um, you know, he has, he's social media. He's all over social media and in many different ways. So he's been able to monetize, you know, his act. So, right. uh, <clears throat> so he's a good blueprint to yeah. watch for comedians yeah. right now. Yeah, he's done a great he's, job. He's the new normal. Andrew right. Schultz is the new normal for sure. being successful. Yep. You know, those guys are, uh, you know, those guys are on it. Uh, they're on it traditionally and they're on it currently. Yep. You know, so for me, I have to catch up to speed. <laughs> With the kids again. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So what's uh your, so you mentioned you're doing a pod with, with Anthony. Yeah. Um, what, just tell us a little bit about that. Like, what are you guys going to be doing? What? Um, you know, it's just, you know, we're just kicking back and, you know, I mean, um, you know, he, we have good viewership. Um, right. We have good numbers. Yeah, sure. And um, we're going to uh, start to monetize it sometime in the near future in the next couple of months. You know, we go live on Facebook and uh, YouTube right now. Right. You know, some of our episodes have gotten, you know, 200,000 views. That's amazing. Awesome. Um, awesome. Yeah. That's uh, congratulations. Yeah. Well, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, um, so we're going to, we're going to monetize it in the next couple of months and, um, you know, make that a staple. Right. And, uh, you know, hopefully that'll be another revenue stream coming in, I think. And um, like I said, that's the new normal. Right. Yeah, no, it definitely, it definitely is. And it, it's, you know, it just seems like every day there's another, you know, you go on Instagram and you see other people like, oh, we're dropping a new podcast with my friend X, you know, about criminal mischief in, in, Idaho, right? So, yeah, well, uh, you know, I mean, it, and it holds true for you guys. Once you guys uh, reach a, your podcast, will reach a certain level. People, people are going to want to see you when yeah. the pandemic is over. Oh, sure. And you're you're going to have to figure out a way, you know, where you guys can, uh, you know, literally, you know, meet the people that 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 follow you, and you guys will be able to, you know, that'll work in reverse for you guys, and you'll be you'll be able to monetize that some way too. Yeah, we, we, we just started, we, we've had some sponsors through the network, but then we just um, luckily got a, a sponsor for the show for the balance of the year. It's a Corona premiere, which is pretty cool <laughs> for us. That's the beer. Yeah. The beer it's there. It's, it's there. Um, yep. Light not a beer. Very good no, cause we're not even supposed to start yet, but I'm just oh. mentioning it cause we're in the conversation about it. Oh. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's their low carb beer, which it's actually really good. You know, can, well, if you're a beer drinker, all things considered when you're, when you're talking about a low carb, low calorie beer, it's, it's really good. I think it's probably the best one that's out. Um, well, there you go. Now you're learning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's, there's someone from, you can't see plug, on camera. Plug, plug, plug. Yeah, exactly. You can't see on camera, but there's someone from Corona just putting money in Greg's pocket. <laughs> right. As he says those words. It's fine. We have a good video editor who's going to insert all the stuff anyway. So it's fine. Um, but yeah, That's no, it really is. It is, it is the, the next wave. You know, I do, yeah. I do think that, you know, with, with the streaming services and podcasts and everybody getting into the cross pollination of the businesses that, you know, it, it is where media is going. 
you know, traditional yeah, if TV. you're not multidimensional, yeah, um, you're not going to make it. You know, you can't you can't be a one a one trick pony anymore. Yeah, no, that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, there is no one trick anymore. Like if you if people. Uh-huh. You know, I have a lot of friends in TV, as I'm sure you do, like that business over the last five or six years where people were pitching shows and all kinds of things. It's like it, there's a, a lot of different places you could go to to sell digital media. But the, the money on it has <laughs> in some cases come so far down. Yeah. There's so much competition. And, you know, guys are releasing their own very well done specials for free on YouTube to monetize it themselves. And, you know, yeah. it's a very, it's a very viable way to go. No doubt. 100 yeah. percent. So anyway, man, really appreciate your time. Um, That's it. Dental. (laughs) 30, 45 minutes. Our audience doesn't want to hear, listen to us as much as they want to hear and listen to you. Our audience, they all have ADD. They all have ADD. So, you know, (laughs) we. They're all like me. They're like they, you know. After 45 minutes, they're like, where am I? What's happening? What do I get? Either the nightlight of podcast. <laughs> you, yeah, we pretty much are. That's we're not like question. Rogan. I can't do, we can't do three hours. Sorry. If we were in person, maybe. But when you, yeah. you try holding a 25 year old's attention for more than 35 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, what does your audience look like? Hopefully Nick they don't with, look like Greg, you know, Nick with smaller tough. boobs. <laughs> no, I, it's pretty funny. Our audience is, you know, when I look at it, it, it really depends on guests in the week in the month but we're pretty much like 75 percent guys of course and you know a decent percentage of girls but um it, it's it's a lot of guys most of the emails and communication i get though were from girls which is weird well yeah i mean i went through it with the radio i worked at a predominantly female radio station right and uh you know you know girls listen yeah you know what i mean with uh with a with a better ear than men oh, do. for sure I, it's definitely retention they're you know? better at listening and communicating usually yeah, I, yeah so. guys don't care you know yeah, I mean? we're all I mean, we're all idiots yeah i mean okay. after this podcast if you ask a guy a question the only thing he'll remember is the beer yeah probably <laughs> <laughs> or or that you played football or, you'd be like football or, beer beer that's it yeah, you know, chicken you know, wings. It's, it's funny. We I have we have a, a good handful of listeners that always will email after an episode and be like, "Oh, that was a great line," or "He made fun of you, and that was awesome." The one out of this will definitely be where you call me a nightlight, which is perfect. Um, yeah, that's nightlight, which is awesome because that definitely will be a good clip we'll use. Well, we we work we work for the same company. We and do. I wish you guys continued success. Um, yeah, Thank I you. heard about you guys before I came on, and they spoke really highly of you guys. And, uh, you know, you didn't disappoint and just, you know, stay at it. I mean, you, you can only go up. <laughs> Thank you. It's really nice to hear I, really, from, from yeah. coming from a guy with your experience and obviously everything you've done and do. It, it's tremendous. Really, really appreciate it. Yeah. You know, anytime. Stay in touch and hopefully we'll, I'll be able to see you guys in the studio. Me and Vinny will see you in the studio one day. Yeah, for sure. Do you, do you have plans of going to the studio at any point? You know, it's funny. We every time I talk to Kristen, you know, she first when we first came on she's like yeah we're probably not going to get into the studio full-time until september october and then we just did so much from from here like i have we I'm, I'm actually in my house today but i have a little a small studio that i that i do them out of and we had a real studio for a while until it became not really usable so at some point we will go in when we start to do more guys that are sent that are located in the city but we did yeah, so many great by the way yeah, it looks it looks phenomenal. She, you know, it, it really does, and we we definitely will get there when we start to use um, 
do interviews with guys mainly from the city. Yeah, sure. you, studio's fantastic. It's, it's, it's current. It's up to date. It's very nice. And they have nice bathrooms. So that's what matters. <laughs> that's, that's key. Matters. That's actually very, that's very important. People. They're, they're very good people. We like working with them. It was so nice to come on and, and help us. And it's been great so far. All right, guys. All right. And uh, I'll definitely some Chinese food. Nice. I'll keep <laughs> Take care touch. of that knee, dude. Take yeah. care of it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I have to tell you, I consider myself lucky because this is the first leg injury I've ever had. Knock right. on wood, dude. Yeah, I played all those years of football. I never hurt my leg. I hurt my, I ended up hurting my neck, but um, you know what? I just got to lay low for a couple of weeks and uh, just keep know. it at seven miles an hour. You'll be fine. Seven. I, <laughs> dude, I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> you know what I mean? It happens, dude. man. It happens. I, mean, dude. I was like going as fast as a golf cart down a fairway. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was so unnecessary. You know, it's like, what am I doing? Why am I training like this? You know? But you know, when you, get, you know, I'm older now. So, you know, when I was younger, I used to train to get in trouble. Right. Now I'm older. I'm trained to run away from trouble. Yeah, I know it. Me too. Me too. Are you, you're obviously going to be with, with at the shows in Bridgeport in a couple of weeks, right? Or is that next weekend? Yeah. Anthony and I are this week. We have sold out shows at the Red Bank Theater in New Jersey. We've got six shows that are sold out. And then after that, we're going to be at the Stress Factory Bridgeport. in Bridgeport, Connecticut. I think that date, what, what date would that be? If um, I think it's like the 21st, 22nd or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that at the Stress Factory, which is a beautiful club, by the way. Oh, no, we, that, it's right by us. We're in Southern, we're in Southern that's Connecticut. That's where I did. That's where I went up for the first time. That was my first oh, open so Why don't bike. you guys come by when we're there? Yeah, we, I think we will. I think Hell we yeah. will. Yeah, sure. definitely yeah. come by, please. Yeah. Be, I mean, you know, be our guest. I mean, I'm um, it's a great club. I mean, do you know the owner, Vinny yeah. Brandt? Yeah, it, it is. It really, he he built a beautiful club there. It really yeah. is. And, and downtown Bridgeport. Yeah, just stay away from that park, but everything else is good. <laughs> well, it's cold. It's cold. In the summer, that park is a nightmare. But when in the winter, there's no one there. And there's a good Italian restaurant right around the corner, Ralph and Rich's. Oh, is it? We, yeah. We, thank, thank you for that. I mean, really me and good. Anthony worked there in the summer, and uh, at the end of the night, we went to go to our car and um, we went into shock. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, uh, we got to park close to the club. Yeah. yeah well, just yeah. if you want, you can park across. You don't, you guys drive back and forth, I imagine, right? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much so. Yeah. So there's right across the street, there's a Holiday Inn. That's your safest parking bet. Oh, yeah. Well, that's yeah, good to know. Either right to the left or right to the right. Yeah. Because like, I parked a couple of blocks away and um, nope. You, you know, I mean, I didn't feel threatened or anything like that, but there's just so many people outside, yeah. you know, because they have clubs and music and this and that. And uh, I was like, whoa. Yeah. Well, yeah. we will see you there, I'm sure. But I'll be in. We'll be in touch before. All right. Well, definitely, without a doubt. Thank you for having me on. And Thanks uh, for coming on. Continued success, my friends. You too. Thanks a lot. Good luck with everything. Historic media. Stay healthy. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. No, stay, stay in one piece. Yeah. Cool. Right. <laughs>